This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Carissa, hello, welcome to the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red. Welcome back to Wrexham. The second series of the documentary is out this week on today's podcast, brought to you in association with Red Pit 10 People Development, I might add. We will give our review on episode one of series two of Welcome to Wrexham. We'll look back at the Doncaster win at the weekend, Hayden's injury, the return of Paul Mullin a certain debut for Mr. Fletcher. And we'll look ahead to the game against Grimsby this weekend as well. So it's a busy, busy one. First of all, Nave, how are you doing, mate? How, how are you? I'm good. I'm getting ready to move temporarily, moving north, moving to your neck of the woods, um, which is exciting, although a little bit daunting because I'm not a very good packer. Um, but, yeah, exciting times. Things are moving well for me uh, with work. I just want to say to you, Rich, belated happy birthday. I know you got a lot of messages of uh, but Dioff, Andy yeah. Morell, Pembleuth Happis, um, which would have been a childhood dream, I'm sure. So um, how did you celebrate your birthday? Because I know last weekend you got to enjoy the thrills and spills of the National Black Pudding Championships. Uh, you lead a, you, you, oh, I, was a, I stunk it you out. Lead a th- I stunk you lead it a out. thrilling life, you do. Enlighten us with what you did for your birthday. Yes, yeah, so for my birthday, I went for a lovely meal in, in town, in Manchester, went out for a few drinks, and then an impromptu sort of karaoke session, which lasted for four hours in the end. All the hits, bit of voulez-vous, because, you know, that is the song of the moment. And, yeah, I woke up this morning for my, my work shift, very, very hungover, no voice, feeling like utter crap. And then we had our Man City journalists versus staff match as well at the academy stadium so run an absolute empty we uh we took on man city's staff who they were they were up for it they they'd had a trophy made ready for them to parade when they beat us they'd had all this they've been practicing we had 14 players it was a mismatch of journalists i was the youngest and we had journalists who were 40 50 playing against a team of man city a squad of man city staff who were 
mostly in their 20s and 30s, and they had about 25 players. Every 20 minutes, they were changing the whole team. We were subbing one 35-year-old off for a 40-year-old for a or whatever. And you know what? I know I, I, I joked in the past about Jurassic Parkinson. We weren't full Jurassic Parkinson. We weren't medieval sort of Allardyce football. And we... The dirtiest 4-2 win you've ever well seen played, in your life. Well I, I reckon we had four shots. Man City, Man City staff had 80% possession, maybe 30 shots. We, we did them. We absolutely did them. And yeah, I suppose... There were similarities to Wrexham's win against Doncaster, which maybe wasn't too uh, too convincing at the weekend. Um, you watched it. I watched it. I, f- I thought that Wrexham against Doncaster was kind of one of the games I love most. It reminded me a bit of Maidenhead at home last season, maybe even that Bromley game, a match in which... Or Eastley, maybe even Eastley from the season before, which we'll get on to and welcome to Wrexham. A game where Wrexham weren't at their best, couldn't have complained if we didn't win, but but we did. And that is the sign of a good team. Yeah, I feel like Doncaster aren't as bad as their position at the minute. It's obviously so early. I say get to 15 games before we really start looking at the table and and getting any sense of who is going to struggle and who isn't. Doncaster obviously haven't got the results and maybe we saw that in how they didn't get it. They they probably deserved something out of the game, I thought, um, against us. We we just started slowly. Um, you know, I think we had a couple of couple of knocks. Mendy didn't play, even though he was available. He was at the ground. Little niggle. Ford similar. Obviously no McLean. McFadden's no longer in the squad. So really at wing back for once. You know, we, I think was it last week or the week before we were talking about how stacked we were at wing back. We've got so many options. We were actually threadbare. We didn't have anyone on the bench. Um, again, and I I thought it was a, I think. When we play well, Tom O'Connor's usually at the centre of that and often is the, 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 the heartbeat of that side and heartbeat of the success. He had an off game, I thought, Rich. I, th- I thought he wasn't quite set in the tune that we needed. Um, midfield, I just think, lacked the control recent games. I think the Tranmere, Tranmere were a lot worse than Doncaster. Doncaster were significantly better and are significantly better, in my opinion, than, than what Tranmere were and are. Um it, it, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I think the their goal was a mistake from Max. I think he'd hold his hands up. He'd come on. I, I didn't think he'd done a lot wrong apart from that, but you could tell they were going down that side, Max and Barney, um, trying to make them defend, trying to force them into errors. I don't know. I think a draw would have been a fair result, but to come away, you know, Elliot Lee, six and seven, masterful from him. I thought Ollie Palmer and Sam Dolby worked hard with maybe lacking that final finish. Luke Young off the mark for the season, a bit fortune there, but fortune fevers. You giving the that the one to him? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm giving that to him. You know me by now. I'm giving Luke Young every uh, benefit of every doubt. Um, I don't know, Rich. I think you make your own luck sometimes, and we've been very unlucky with Robert the Green and kind of the deflection and the bounces. And I don't know. I think we probably got away with it. But remember last season when. We beat Bromley at home. I think it was a Tuesday night game after we'd beaten Coventry. The James Jones. And yes. it was gritty. It wasn't It wasn't quite nice to watch. It wasn't a, a memorable one in that sense. Memorable because it was a big win. And I feel like Doncaster would be that type of game where boiling hot, you know, people in the paddock were, in the second half, they were giving away water. I think people wanted it in the first half. They were giving away tap water in the second half. It was that boiling hot. Sometimes you just need to get wins like that. Just grind them out and move on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you made, you made a good point there that you do make your own luck to an extent. And you can sometimes say, oh, they got lucky there. How, how did they win that? 
But when it becomes a knack and it happens all the time, there's a reason why. And yes, in an ideal world, we want to see Rex and Blitz teams, but to win it like that, especially when you know you probably don't deserve to get the three points, is often even better. And you know, I'd rather actually sometimes win 2-1, really sort of jammy winner. I feel sorry for the keeper because you know he didn't really have a chance for either of the goals. He made some good saves well, the Doncaster keeper in the game. But to win that is sometimes better than a four or five nil because you know you've got all that momentum and and the way that the, the game went and yeah I I like you said I think that on paper particularly when you look at it and say oh we're, we're playing rock bottom at home you're gonna expect and maybe get a bit cocky and, and complacent but Doncaster have had really bad sort of injury luck in the first weeks of the season they're a team that just genuinely their club is just sort of on decline now obviously they've been relegated they've fallen down the leagues so, you know this is a team who recently maybe was it the last sort of decade they've been in the championship certainly to was it 2013-14 I seem to remember roughly around then they were in the championship and you know it was sort of a contrast of one club that's sort of not on the on the demise you know, to the extent of other teams that we that we've played recently but a team that's sort of down on their luck against us who were buoyant and have that belief and I think that in the end that is what's shown through it's the fact that we have this team spirit and that ethos and I know in football it's cliche you talk about the fans getting you over the line and you talk about the team spirit and never giving up. But we've really got that right now. And we have got, stemming from not just last season, the season before under Parkey, just this ability at home to win against absolutely anyone. And no matter how the games go, and we just find a way to, to get those, those goals. And it just reminds me of sort of like Man United or Liverpool during their decades of domination. Do you know what I mean? When they just always somehow won a game late on. You could check the score and it'd be 1-0 down or there'd be, you know, it'd be one all heading to the last 10 minutes. And it was just inevitable. And right now, Wrexham just feel inevitable. It just always feels like we're going to get a chance to win it. And most of the time, we t- we take it. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I, I've learned this in the early few weeks, maybe when I came away from Wimbledon away, there isn't an easy game. Whether we're playing top of the table, which has been MK Dons, or, or we play rock bottom, which is Doncaster. I, I mean, we did, we beat one, and I, I get that we beat the one below us, but it was a tough game, and there aren't going to be there aren't going to be games. And we might get one where that we we win five nil or four nil, but generally we're going to have to work really hard to get results. And you know, I had a conversation with um, the magic little man Elliot Lee, the little dancer, this week, and and. And that'll be out for for my work soon, so I'm not going to play it here yet. But maybe once it's out, I can use a bit of it. Um, but he was basically saying that the the players, yeah, they've obviously got belief that they can go and get promoted, but ultimately, but ultimately, they don't want to. But ultimately, they don't want to sound cocky and don't want to sound arrogant. And and I think you know we saw Ollie Palmer in preseason go on a YouTube show and say. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna win the league, and we're gonna or whatever he said, we're gonna go up again. I think there's that quiet confidence internally that we've had a little bit of a slow start, but we're starting to find a bit of a rhythm now. Lee is flying, you know. Elliot Lee, I think, I think I know there's a few contenders. I think Elliot Lee's been the star of the show. Personally, it, there's not there's not much. There, sorry, there is a lot of separation. I think between him and the next best player. I think Elliot Lee's been been the best. I was going to ask that. I was going to say, do you reckon he is sort of? Do you think he's even on a par with Mullen now, or do you think he's just behind Mullen as our most influential player? Really, I I would say, in terms of because you 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 only have to go back six months, maybe not even that long, to 
in particular one Twitter account who used to blame him for everything, wasn't <laughs> there? And you know, he there, there certainly was the point last season, and this is no dig whatsoever at Jordan Davis, but I think they were really on a level playing field. The injuries really hit Jordan. Really unfortunate with him that he's just not had that luck. But I do think that Elliot Lee is just a a player just of a higher level, of a higher pedigree. And I know that Jordan Davis is an excellent player. I think he is football league quality. But I I do think that Elliot Lee is just I, it helps that you know, like you say, he's in form at the moment and he's had that run of games that Jordan's not been able to have now for a, for a year and a half or whatever. But for me, I think Elliot Lee is when he signed, I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Will is I was like, will his heart be in it? Will he will he be born the right players? And you know, again, testament to the recruitment staff that they got someone to drop down but to be invested at the same time. And for me, Elliot Lee is, I'm, I'm just blown away by how good and how regular he, he performs. And if you look at his track record in the big games as well, we always point towards how Mullen plays against those bigger teams. Elliot Lee, you think of his performances in those cup games, you think of his, he scores the winner against Notts County. You know, I mean, this is the guy who, he just maybe doesn't get the credit he deserves sometimes in a weird way. And there's that goal at home against Chesterfield under the lights where it bends. I mean, that's a you know, stunning finish. That's what I mean. He performs every single week, no matter you know when we need him most, he, he performs. What I would say is that he, he, following him on social media, he shares a lot of you know stuff that I'm very passionate about, mental health, perspective, the psychology of sport, all that sort of thing. And again, just partly of our, our conversation, it was... Stuff like, I feel like watching him as well, you can sort of see that he's maybe enjoying it a bit more. Maybe that's slightly not, maybe I'm not quite translating what I mean, but I think he's almost, we've got out the league and there's an element of pressure still on the players, but he's almost playing with a little bit less pressure, as in like he's putting less pressure on himself, I think. I also think, yeah, I also think, like you said that, he's come to Wrexham as a big arrival and lots of pressure on him, and he's done it. You know, he... I know you expect him to run the show in, in non-league, but he did it. Like He has done the hard job now. And like I, said, I think he can just enjoy himself now. He knows where he fits into the team. I know the midfield makeup still isn't quite right. The balance just doesn't seem there. I thought, again, at the weekend, we just look so open at home. We just look... It only takes one pass to sort of cut us open. I think the defensive side of the game really does need a bit more tweaking and some hard work looking at it. But Elliot Lee now knows... I'm starting every week. This is my role. He's got the relationship with his players of those give and goes. We'd seen it um, almost a warm up to his winner at the weekend. A few minutes earlier, he'd done exactly the same and he ballooned a shot into the tech end. But, you know, he's he's got those little passages of play down to a T really where he knows exactly what's required of him and he knows exactly where he fits in yeah he's, he's been rich brilliant. i've got more to say on elliot lee and waxing lyrical about him but what i will say before i forget is elliot lee's goal as good as it was it was some off-ball movement that really impressed me it was george evans having the awareness that kind of second tier top tier level awareness to make the run that completely opens the space if george evans doesn't make the run i don't think elliot lee has got the position to sort of dive down the inside and then get the shot off. When you watch it back, George Evans's run from right to left towards the left corner flag is is genius. It's a subtle thing, but it actually that that really makes the goal for me because that that completely opened up the space. Um, but on Elliot Lee, I know you you mentioned before about Ollie Palmer. Maybe it was off off air actually about how good Ollie Palmer's been. I don't disagree with that. 
Um, and there have been other contenders that you know Howe's done nothing wrong since he's come in, and others have had moments. McLean's looked really good against Tranmere, but you can't pick anyone else other than Elliot, Elliot Lee. Six goals and seven, he got twelve league goals last year. I think he can go and get twenty. I'm not sure he's necessarily setting targets, or he's definitely not going to go public with them. But you know, I think that that's there for him, and I honestly believe that he can. He's got the quality to potentially be in that conversation for League Two Player of the Year. We'll obviously hinge on where Wrexham finish and and all that, but the amount of goals he could be involved in, in terms of goals, assists, he he's going to have every chance. And look, he's six goals in. He's probably going to come off penalties with Mullen coming back. We'll get onto him shortly. But it's just the not swagger so much. It's just the confidence of which Elliot Lee's playing, and the amount he wants to get on the ball. Rich, we see players at all levels. They don't want to get on the ball sometimes. They can go into hiding a little bit. Um, you see it all the time. And again, I'm not not pointing fingers out a lot, but he, he never seems to hide from the ball. And that's a stark contrast to maybe when he first came in. I'm thinking Chesterfield away and, and all that sort of thing, which is coming to stark contrast again this week. But yeah, Elliot Lee, keep it up, man, because it's, uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to watch. Speaking then also of positives from the weekend, Naif, the return of the King, which again, very very fitting this week, uh, given the first episode of the documentaries uh, uh, dropped and, you know, people say that there already was a King of Wrexham, uh, so, someone who who is visiting every single week and we were worshipping him and there's no complaints about that. Uh, Paul Mullen, back on the pitch, earlier than expected. I think we were all surprised when, when that team news did drop, um, Excellent to see. He looked rusty. He looked off it. He looked like he needs a lot more time before he's back up to match fitness. But he still made things happen. And this is someone who, you know, just needs a little longer. But so good to see him back back out on the pitch. He, he Like I said, it's, it was such a devastating injury that he had. And to see him back already is, is remarkable. And we're so delighted that, that that's happened. But I think it, in a way, couldn't have gone much better. Because he comes on. Yes, he needs to get those match minutes up. He wants to get to a high intensity before he's probably starting again, but we still win the game. And like I said, he he looked, he did all the things Paul Mullen does, but then wasn't quite there. It was like watching someone almost playing Soccer Aid, who used to be good. Do you know what I mean? I mean, the the benefit is that Paul Mullen's got to come back to full fitness and be our best player again. But yeah, he was just getting going through the motions, going through the gears, and yeah, gave everyone a lift. And I cannot remember. It was almost like you know when the original Ronaldo scored that hat trick against Man United. And everyone stands up to give him a standard ovation. I can't remember many other, maybe any other, substitute receptions like that in my lifetime at any level of football. Just a gladiatorial roar, you know, kind of just like it really was almost like chariots of fire. We were like a baying mob was watching it all about to go down. It was this massive roar, and that made the day, I think. I know we won the game, uh, and that is ultimately what people wanted to see. And look, Fletcher, get on to him shortly. He had a great impact as well. But Mullen, even though he was rusty, Rich, as you say, I couldn't tell whether he was wearing any kind of chest protection or rib protection. Did look, it just his shirt didn't seem to be falling the same way. Maybe I'm just bored and I need to get more of a life. But um, it, it seemed like he maybe was wearing something. But he he just had the little bit of doubt in the defender's mind because it's Paul Mullen and. Even if the defender looks at him and goes, that's not the Paul Mullen 
we know and we fear, there's there's an element of fear. This guy scores a hell of a lot of goals and is insanely popular and massive cheer every time he hassled a defender into winning a corner or anything like that. And uh, yeah, to see him back, it's going to take time. You know, it's going to take... But look, we've had a full week off this week. You know, some players have been able to get away, rest up, recuperate. You know, that will have done in the world of good. Back with a family, just resting up. And I'm glad, really, because I suppose had we had a Tuesday game, there might have been a bit of an onus to, to have given him another 20, another half an hour. That half an hour will have done him a lot of good. And a bit of contact you know, in, in the mix. So this is step one in his recovery, but there won't be many more cheers as good. I was trying to think, Rich, that one of the best mowing cheers we've had and we know he gives his three pumps at the end in, in, into the tech end where you normally are I was trying to think when he scored that FA Trophy semi-final goal where he lifts it over the keeper that was a noise unlike I'd heard for a long time until maybe we got promoted but it is I mean it just it's hard to describe someone's legacy when they're still building it but legacy is a very hard thing to have when you leave a football club because people at this level don't stay for long enough really to build legacies and people have legacies. People are always going to remember the likes of Mark Carrington and people like that that serve the club. They're not, not superstars by any stretch, and that's not a, a knock on people like um, Mark Carrington or, or your Paul Rutherford or people like that, but they're just long servants in the journey. Mullen will go down potentially in our top three scorers of all time. Um, you know, we'll go down as a bona fide cult hero. You know, people will say he's my favourite player for the rest of their life, as we do with some of our childhood heroes. And yet, there still feels like there's more chapters for him to write. That's the best thing about it. That is what's so exciting. Before I be a little bit pessimistic, um, should we go on to Fletcher as well? I thought, you know, there was a lot of question marks over him. A player who was signed after deadline day, hadn't had a pre-season, a fantastic pedigree. This is someone who was transferred for £12 million during his Premier League heyday. Played for Sunderland, played for Marseille. Um, I remember him from his Sunderland days. I, I seem to remember, I'm not sure I'm ever going to check this fact, but it must have been like 2011 or 2012, maybe 2013. I just remember the start of a Premier League season. It was like three or four games in. I think Sunderland was second or top of the table. And Stephen Fletcher had this ridiculous stat that he'd had like seven shots in the Premier League and scored six goals or something. So I've always had like a bit of a soft spot for him. And I was like, God, I'm, I, I forgot how, how good this guy actually was earlier in his career. He comes on for his debut. I don't think expectations are that high. I mean, being the Wrexham fan I am, whenever we sign a striker I've heard of, I think, like Brett Ormrod. I remember thinking Brett Ormrod was going to be the best signing we ever made in my life because like, Here's a guy I've actually heard of. This is someone. This is someone who non-Rexham fans will have heard of as well. And when Stephen Fletcher came on, I was excited to see what he could offer. And to be honest, I, I'm not going to say blown away, but I was shocked by how sharp and how good he looked, even at this early stage. You know, he was in the right positions. He was a proper menace in the box. You know, getting in in the right positions and just being in between the posts. And there's that effort, wasn't there, where edge of the box, he turns, left foot shot out of nowhere just wide of the post, but I'm excited to see how, how that functions. I suppose my question to you, Nath, and to anyone listening, if you want to get in touch, Rob Ryan Red on all platforms and the email address is, as you know in the description, what is the best strike partnership? Is it still Palmer and Mullen, or do you reckon once Fletcher gets up to speed, he could even be pushing to, to start a few games? I know that's harsh, because Palmer's arguably been player of the season so far for us, 
Maybe just behind Lee now? It's just got to be behind Lee. I've, well, maybe you can go Palmer. I'm going to go Elliot Lee as my player of the season so far. But as for the strike partnerships, obviously Mullin. Um, I think you've probably got to go Mullin and Palmer right now. I've got to show a level of respect there. But I, I, I long-term would like to see what Mullin and Fletcher looks like as a pair. I mean, in all honesty, Rich, I'd like to see what Mullin and Bickerstaff look like as a pair. But Stephen Fletcher's just going to have that quality. You know, maybe maybe it's going to be in short bursts. Maybe he probably can't do it twice in a week. But Dundee fans, Dundee United fans, pardon me, were saying he was their best player last season. I know they ended up going down. But more my question, and I posed this on our Twitter account, and maybe you'll have different thoughts to me, which is, he coming in as a free agent. What realistically does success look like for the Stephen Fletcher move? It's a deal until the end of the season. Is that... Just keep competition high. Is that 10 goals? I mean, what's a realistic goal return for a former Premier League striker that's coming in on a free agent, as a free agent? We do play a lot of games, don't we? That's the thing. I mean, you've got like 40-odd left in the league. You've got a few more in the in the cup competitions. Of course, Billy Waters can play in the cup competitions, can't he? Parky confirmed that this week. Scored, so. in the, sco- scored against Accrington's reserves the other day. Yeah, so you'd expect Billy Waters to be playing in those as well. Um, I reckon, genuinely, I'd reckon somewhere between... I I mean, I think you would put the target on 10 goals for Fletcher this season, but I I don't see why he couldn't get between sort of 12 and 15 either. I know that's not a massive leap, another two or five goals, but yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised by that whatsoever. I, I think importantly, though, when you talk about success, one thing that does bug me, because we always do it the reverse... You you just say it's easy to say a striker is a success by he scored this amount of goals, and whenever we sign a player, we always look at their goals. We go to Wikipedia and we say he's only scored three goals last season. Why the hell are we in for him? But it's what they bring to the team. And I know there's some interesting debate as well on socials this week about Ollie Palmer that his he's he's played sort of I can't remember maybe should we say like 50 games for Wrexham roughly it's way more than that because he played all last season maybe he's played like 70 or 80 games for Wrexham but in the first half of his games he'd scored like 20 or 30 goals more than he'd got in the second half of games for Wrexham but that doesn't mean that he was a worse player just by that you know he the, the team had changed his role had changed and this season Palmer hasn't had to be the goal scorer he's been fundamental to what we do so I think when we're judging Fletcher's success it would be harsh to say he's got to score this amount of goals for him to be a success or not, to, to be a hit. I think as long as he gives us an actual viable option off the bench and if we finish in at least the playoff positions and he's contributed positively to that campaign, then you've got to say that given the circumstance, the fact we could only sign free agents, if we manage to get him in and do so, then, then that's a success. And I'd also counter it by saying that in, this is quite harsh, but... He is, he is effectively, when I mean, we all know it, he is Billy Waters' replacement. So he needs to do more than what Billy Waters was doing or contributing to the Wrexham side. And I know it's difficult to compare because one of them was in National League as a backup when he had limited subs. And yeah, it is difficult to, to fairly compare them. But you've just got to see him as a, to, as a supplementary option. And if he, if he fits our style of play, which he looks like he does, and he can pose a threat, particularly from those corners, from those long throws into the box, then... Then I think that'll be a success. This is maybe more to back your point up, so I'm trying to give you a, a 
virtual pat on the back here but you mentioned it there so the this is from craig jones actually he put this out on twitter there's a lot of good stuff on there he put the first 44 games for wrexham ollie palmer scored 27 goals the next 44 games he scored seven but yeah i think he's been very effective he occupies the defenders like nobody else Sam Dolby cannot occupy the, depend- the, the the defenders like Oli Palmer can. Stephen Fletcher, we haven't seen it yet, but just no one has Oli Palmer's frame, and no one has, and he gets he gets wrestled and he gets fouled and he gets and he doesn't get anything. And maybe he's a victim of his size in the sense that he's just not going to get the calls. But I do think he just looks fitter than he did towards the end of last season. I think he looks a little bit sharper. The bites back. And and to be totally honest, I was a little bit sceptical of the move in the beginning when we first signed him because I don't honestly think he was that prolific in the football league. I don't. I, I wouldn't say he's had a Mullin type season where he's gone on and rattled off a golden boot and and you know really torn a, a league's defenses to shreds. I, I don't think he has. But yeah, that's why you can't solely judge a player on 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 goals and assists. Uh, yeah, I I think that to an extent you do have to, Rich, because that that's a striker, and I don't want to sound like Roy Keane, but that's their job. Um, but at the same time, it's all about supplementary pieces. If Lee goes and gets you 20 goals, which I think he can, and then, I don't know, Mullin gets you 20-plus, and you reckon maybe Fletcher can get you 11, if Palmer gets 11 goals, then it really doesn't matter. You don't need to be the top scorers in the league to to go up. So for us, it's more about keeping tight at the back than than scoring goals at the other end. Yeah, exactly. I think everyone's got their, their part to play and it will be a, another team effort this season, which again maybe brings us on to the defensive aspect. Aaron Hayden, another injury scare for him, substituted during the match. Uh, a sorry time and I guess the dilemma with Hayden, Nath, is when he's fit and we've seen it this season, he is still arguably our best centre-back. But long term, can we actually rely on him? Can we say, look, Aaron Hayden is going to play this amount of games a season. We need to have that solidity and that consistency in defence because that's been the backbone of our success, really, is having those established partnerships and having a team almost set in stone, one that you can predict. Aaron Hayden is the big question mark, isn't he? Because, like I said, if he was fully fit, I think we'd all have him in our Wrexham starting lineup. But can we actually rely on him long term? How long do we give him? Is he worth sticking with for the long term? It it is hard. It's hard to say because for me, he unquestionably, I don't even hesitate. He would be in my strongest Wrexham eleven. There's there's no hesitation from me there. Um, so let's get that straight. Is he reliable? I mean, it's it's really hard to say, Rich, because reliability is 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 staying clear of injury, and. Injuries are not players' fault as well. Let's not let's not put liability on Aaron Hayden. But this was an he was off the ball, away from the ball. He seemed to be feeling his hamstring. I mean, if it is, we don't know. That could be six to eight weeks again, and you have to rehab it, and you're gonna have, gonna have to get back up to speed. You've got Jordan Tonikov coming back. Max, I know he made the mistake, but he's a more than able deputy. Owen O'Connell wasn't even involved at the weekend. I know he's had a tough start to the season, but he's a fine operator. It is tough. I know we're stacked at that position at centre back, but really. When you're talking at reliability, look how many games Bentoza's played without picking up a niggle, a strain, an injury. I mean, it is. I mean, knock on wood, right? But it, it that's reliability. 
and I don't I don't want to I don't want to knock Hayden too much because I, if there's an underlying issue there's an underlying issue but I'm, when was the last time we had a player rich that was both so good in one sense but yet so injury prone in the se- in the, in, the, in the second I was struggling I was trying to think of a comparison um maybe of recent seasons I couldn't quite think of one no there's no one that sort of jumps to mind right now but yeah, that's the conundrum, isn't it? Because, like I said, at his best, even when he's not at his best, he probably starts for Wrexham and he's got that unique threat that he offers. It is just, it happens time and time and time again. And it's frustrating for him. And again, this is not an attack on Aaron Hayden whatsoever. We're not saying he's to blame for it uh, in, in any degree. It is just when you're building a squad and you need that consistency, you need those players to rely on, there maybe has to come a breaking point where you look and say, look, Aaron, if you were fit every week, we'd play you. But the problem is you're not. So right now we're going to have to start building the strongest team without you and just see you as a substitute or someone who can be part of the wider squad. So, yeah, it's a really difficult one. Like we said, we all know how good he can be. And obviously, fundamentally, we want to say get get well soon, Aaron. And, you know, it must be a real, a real test, not just physically, but mentally as well, to have another setback. And oh, Rich. To, to keep dealing Rich with these. Rich, hamstrings are an absolute nightmare because... You think you think it's ready, and then it goes again, you know. And I, ju- I, ju- yeah. I mean, I, obviously, I'm big into my American sport, NFL. I mean, look, all the hype in the NFL this off season, the whole thing was like Aaron Rodgers going to New York. That is the big, that is your Paul Mullin, that is your record, that is your Ollie Palmer, that is your big arrival, your Hollywood arrival. And yet, on the fourth play of the game, Achilles ruptures, season over potentially career over injuries are yeah. an absolute well, killer I guess it's like if, yeah i guess it's like if messi had gone to into miami and done his acl in his first match yeah. it would have been like oh, but you know injuries okay, injuries are an absolute sucker punch because they ruin they ruin it because the talent is is there but at the end of the day this is going to be a long campaign and we've had tonicliff sidelined we've had already we've had quite a few injuries and we're going to need to find i think rich we're going to need to find a settled 11 sooner rather than later he seems to have found that in the midfield. I know you're not 100% happy with that, but O'Connor, Young and Lee seem to have been recently the preferred trio. I know Andy Cannon's out with the virus. James Jones has kind of dropped to the bench. Um, and George Evans seems to be caught between a rock and a hard place, whether he's a defender or, or a midfielder. Um, but we're going to need to settle on a team soon, I think, if we're really going to charge. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with muck delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Not just the return of Paul Mullen this week, then Nave, the return of welcome to Wrexham as well. We both watched episode one of season two. 
What are your thoughts on it? Thoughts? I've got I've got plenty of them. Uh, plenty of them for the podcast and for YouTube. Initial thoughts where it felt it felt like a lot was going on, and and yet my first caveat for this, and I said it last season, I'll say it this season. I think if you follow Wrexham day in day out like we do, you just simply know too much. You, 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 I, all I can spot is the things that don't make the cut. Like for example. I was so surprised that we didn't see any of Rob McElhenney in the box at Chesterfield. I mean, he was there. We saw him there when we were at the game. And and fair enough, we don't want to see loads and loads of that performance. It was absolutely atrocious. But, you know, I I don't know. I, I, I thought there'd be... I thought there were a lot of subplots in one episode of 40 Minutes. I think you had your recap, which I think was necessary. You needed to do that because people might have only picked this up after... Season one, they might they might not have, you know, uh, given their life and soul to to it like we have every single week and every single day. Then you had the leveling up stuff, the cop, which again the timeline just felt a bit strange because you had the Eastley game, which obviously the season opener, kind of. Yeah, so you've got a, it starts off with a match in August, yeah, but is interspersed with a event that happens in December when you have the royal visit. Now, part of me wonders whether. They that's the hook for people who aren't twofold. Is that the hook, or are they just trying to get the kind of bureaucracy side out of it? Maybe they just thought this isn't. I don't know if they'd have thought this because they wouldn't have put it in otherwise. But whether it was this isn't all that jazzy, and we want to get into the stories, we want to get into the football, but we kind of just need to shoe on it in because I don't actually think they made a big deal of yeah. it. Well, there is yeah. Well, there is that comment in the in the doc, isn't there, that they say. We're trying to get funding from a Tory government, which so having the royal visit might help with that. And then fundamentally, when the funding doesn't come, it's also well, the Tory seat might not Rex might not be a Tory seat by the next general election, so they've not got the long term interest of investing maybe in the area. So yeah, like I said, I think that is interesting. But for me, I think fundamentally with you, we we know Rex and we see every tweet that goes out, yeah. we know all this stuff. So for us, the details do do sort of play on my mind a bit. But you're, you're catering to an audience who is primarily aren't Rex and right. fans, maybe not even football right. fans. So you've got to hit that sweet, sweet note of being able to be accessible for everyone, still have enough for the hardcore small demographic, and then you've got to try and get different documentary aspects out there. You've got to have the match footage. The owners are a huge drawing point for people. The Royal Visit was was massive global news, whether you like it or not. You've then got human interest stories. You've got the Rob Layton injury. You've got Mark Howard sort of dealing with abuse anyway. You've got the signings. We've got some new players here. Here's one of them, Elliot Lee. Scores goals. Bang, bang, bang. We've still got football to get on with. Here's what happened last time. And I do just think that for 40 minutes, it's just a bit too condensed. And it's a bit too... Things are still coming at you from, from, the, from the last minutes as well. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how the series develops. And, of course, we know we've got the uh, women's side of things as well to come in the weeks ahead. I'm just interested to see how, how they sort of handle having so many because there is so much you could get into with Wrexham and it's like let's see what Wayne's up to let's see what's happened since then but also let's move on and show you the next season so it's really Rich, interesting. the positive I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some of my positives so you can give me some of yours I'm gonna focus on the positives first before I maybe knuckle down on some of the things that slightly bugged me but the positives I thought the interview with Phil Salmon AEC I thought that was really nice and I, I don't know like when I was, I was a little bit emotional when he was getting emotional, just talking about I've never played for this club, I love this club, but being on the back of the shirt, I sort of felt like I have, 
in a in a way, and it kind of meant meant a lot to him. And I know he means a lot to a lot of people. He's given a hell of a lot to the football club, and maybe he's one of them that doesn't quite get the notoriety that others have. And that's not just through the dock, but just maybe he's been quite happy to be in the background a little bit. So I'm kind of glad he he got that. And the cop barriers I know of have made a lot of people very happy that they've got part of that. Um, and Neil Roberts, who we had on recently, talking about the cop. I think, in a way, I again, I know you haven't got endless hours. I mean, I would watch like a 100-parter on Welcome to Wrexham, obviously, as, as, as some other people would. I, I would have watched a whole episode on the cop and maybe Memories of Jacko and other people, that you know, famous games. And, and I'd have maybe done an interview on there before they demolished it, a bit more on the demolishing Maybe they got it right. It was just enough, and maybe to other people that isn't interesting. Let us know if you if you found that part not interesting. You found it really interesting. Obviously, for local fans, it it's been there. It's been part of their experience. I know we've had discussions on Twitter Spaces and stuff previously, Rich, of people who watched their first game there and their dad took them on there, or they snuck on there sometimes after school after a night get up for a night game and all that sort of stuff. L- lovely little cool stories like that. And Neil Roberts was great because he's been on there he's, he scored in front of a cop and, and all that sort of stuff um so that phil salmon and the cop and i actually really like the intro song um by a guy called john hume who's i think he's la based but he's i think it might be an australian singer composer um and I, what was it called i skipped the don't intro. don't you skip the intro um it's called don't forget and i think it's been specifically written don't it's called don't forget brackets welcome to wrexham it's on spotify I mean, last I checked on YouTube, it had like 200 views. I'm sure that will rock it in the weeks to come if that's the consistent theme. Um, and in a way, I, I, the reason I liked it was because some of the lyrics are about basically don't don't forget where you've come from. Uh, don't, don't forget where you've been. And it wasn't just about the cop. It was just generally I felt like as as cool as Wrexham is now and, and it talks about in the doc about the shirts selling out and all that sort of stuff can't forget where we came from and I tweeted this week Rich it said what does it mean to be a Wrexham fan I said it means go into an away game where the opposition doesn't warm up and still beat your 4-2 which was that famous away day at Ebbsfleet a few years ago and I don't know I think you've always got to and that's not a I'm a bigger fan than you than you're a bigger fan none of that just it's important that everybody first day or 100 days or 1,000 days or 10 million days in, knows where the club's been and where it's come from. Yeah, and you can't forget those roots whatsoever. I also thought, though, on the flip side to that, I did quite like that sort of quick-fire phantom across the world who had been to Wrexham. You had the guys from Malaysia, you had the Portuguese fans, Australians, um, Americans, of course, lots of North Americans in there. And, yeah, it was just really interesting. I, I did like the... The chance to relive it as well, and that—I mean, when as soon as Mark Griffith starts talking, it's that first day of the season hype. You do get excited again, and you, you see last season's kit, which felt new at the time. Elliot Lee in this mysterious. Well, that's why I've, that's why I've worn it. I've worn this one in prep in in honor of the last season. Um, last season, the shirt from last season. So, um, we're going back in time. But yeah, Elliot Lee, carry on. I've interrupted you there. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I, did, I did quite like, like like a lot of it. I mean, you know, I'm a Wrexham fan. I'm going to watch all the Wrexham content I can. I'm going to digest it. And there's a lot of room for it to grow. I'd also say that last season, the last season of Welcome to Wrexham, I thought the really amazing episodes were the like final five or six. 
I think the, the series really grew into it because, of course, you have to establish characters. You've got to get these storylines, and then you have the character development, and you the story will go on. You'll get more invested as it goes along. So, you know, I'm not being, I'm not trying to be. I did see there was that review this week calling it what sort of basically mm-hmm. uh, got the the in, I, I can't, the not, independent was it yeah. like something like um, first basically some kind of propaganda machine capitalist propaganda. Yeah. I, I'm not going down that route. I'm not saying that I'm disappointed of it whatsoever. I've really enjoyed it still for what it was, but I'm confident and I know that as the series goes series goes on, the episodes should get a bit more refined. We'll have greater interest. You'll know the characters a bit better. The season will get a bit better as well. Spoiler alert! And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how it how it develops again. And yeah, just delighted to have it back on the on the screen. And again, I was watching it. I was watching that first sort of big scene with Robin Ryan where they learn to curtsy and they're having their not learn to curtsy. Sorry, they're learning their sort of yeah the bows and their manners for for the royal visit. And I was watching it, just thinking like these guys own our football club. How lucky are we that these two guys? These Hollywood guys, these guys we that we know from different endeavors, own Wrexham Football Club. Still, I, I had another pinch moment. I was like, "How is this real? How the hell is this?" Rich, this real? I, I thought it was I great... thought that Rob basically spoke for a lot of the fan base when he sort of dismissed not dismissed the idea, but he was he was head puzzled by the idea that you would bow to another person. And um, I think that's again just his roots. I don't, I don't think he thinks he's above anyone else or below anyone else or, or whatever. Uh, and that's how maybe how it should be. And and nothing against Ryan. Ryan also was very quick to point out the King of England and not the King of uh, the UK. You know, King of England. And um, yeah, so I think as well you mentioned there though. What I enjoyed about that was when we saw the trailer. I was very very worried this would be targeted to a North American audience of here's the British monarchy and we're gonna you know we're gonna bow down to them. It's gonna be all. You know, it's gonna go down all those horrible stereotypes of beef eaters and all that crap. But it wasn't forced down your throat. It was like, this is why they're visiting. This is why we're doing it. They're not forcing you and saying you've got to like if you like Wrexham, you've got to like the royal family or anything. You know, it wasn't done that way. So I know there'll be some Wrexham fans be like, I'll give that one a miss because I don't want to give them the the time of day. But I thought it was handled quite well and quite delicately. And like you said, probably made sense in a way having it as episode one because. That narrative's out of the way now. Yeah, I almost, I almost thought they didn't make as much of it as I thought they would have done, which is not a. I don't think that's a, a good. Yeah, or, no, not a I don't problem. Think that's a good or a bad. It's not a problem. Yeah. I just, I was expecting them to give us maybe previously unseen audio. I was expecting the conversation between, maybe as they went down the line. Um, I, I don't know. I thought they really would have amped that up as a big, maybe its own episode. And I think maybe they read the room and just thought. Not going to be much appetite for. I mean, I know it's not solely. This is not a documentary solely for Wrexham fans. I totally get that, but I did think they could but have that, made that ties into what yeah. you said earlier about even the intro song, not forgetting where you've come from, and whether you like it or not. When the taker was do- done, when Robin Ryan aren't owning Wrexham anymore, that hardcore demographic are going to be the ones carrying the club forward, and hopefully, there's a lot more people to do it, and hopefully, we never have the dark days we had in the past. But you've got to still cater to that hardcore audience. That have, that have supported the club and that you alluded to with Phil Salmon of AC Engineering with the the, the cop banners and stuff. So I, yeah, I think it was I think it was handled well. And again, I think that one of the positives for me was that it did strike that that balance of there was something in it for the new fans, there was something in it for people who've been there a bit longer. Rich, then I suppose obviously we had the Eastley game, which Elliot Lee comes on, gets the the brace, you know, on his debut. He's going to get more airtime as it goes on. 
inevitably he plays such a key role he's going to get an interview you're going to learn a bit more about him um and we're going to see more dressing room we saw Parky's enthusiasm meter make a return that's going to be busy I'm sure in the weeks to come because we kind of stutter a little bit they don't film me and James Kelly and all the others that were flamingos in the away end at Yeovil in that second game which is probably a good thing we draw 1-1 there um we obviously have that game Chesterfield we've said it to death a million times on the podcast don't need to get into that but what I thought was the most interesting part I thought of the whole episode was the goalkeepers in terms of Rob Layton, Mark Howard, and Aidan Davison, the goalkeeping coach. Before I get into my thoughts, what were your thoughts on those those three and their storylines? Again, it made me sort of. I mean, first of all, when they when it went through the these are the new signings sort of montage and it showed Mark Howard goalkeeper, I was like, is that an error? I feel like Mark Howard's been here for years. I can't believe he's only been here a season. Weirdly, Rob Layton as well. I was like. God, what a man. I love him so much. I want him to be playing football. I, I'd like him to be playing for Wrexham. And I just just feel so sorry for the guy. And yeah, it was nice to get that little bit of insight again. And again, just to see what a normal, down-to-earth, northern Bolton lad he is. And just to see behind, again, the magician's cloth, really. To see that these aren't... I know the club's changing, but these aren't Premier League footballers. These aren't footballers who retire at 35 and that's it. They're made for life. You know, Rob Layton talks about the contract. I'm out of contract at the end of the season. If I get injured, look, I I don't have enough money in the bank to just retire and never well, work. Not again. if I not if that, I get injured. You know, if I don't come back from this injury, it was kind of like if I don't yeah. come back, I'm doomed. Yeah, whether it's Wrexham yeah. or not, I need I need to be playing football because that's what's paying my mortgage. That's what's keeping food on the table for my family. And you might I know you can go down this sort of dangerous sort of avenue where you don't feel sorry for sports people whatsoever because they live a sheltered life and it's all you know they just live in a, in a bubble or whatever but there's, there's a lot the majority of them are you know well well aware of how fortunate they are and well aware how delicate the situation it, it can be as well and Rob Layton's one of them he just so happens that his special talent in life is he's good at keeping the ball out of a net and we got to see that again. We got a reminder that these are, for, although we see them as these, these like totems, and we see them as these, these heroes of ours, and we we put so much pressure on them to give us happiness and bring success into our lives. They're just normal people, I, and which I, that's I could, what I couldn't get over. What Ryan Murray, one of the the kind of physio fitness guys, was was he like? What was he doing to his? It, it was kind of. If you've seen it, maybe you can... Because I know that we get so many listeners that have all these amazing jobs and get in touch and tell us all these amazing things and put the record straight. Um, maybe Ryan, if he's listening, can get in touch. I don't know what it was, but he looked like he was kind of like grafting away at the wrist. I don't know. Do you, do you, see, do you remember that part? He was kind of like trying to put pressure on it. I saw it. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know what the hell was going on, to be the honest. The worst part was he looked in and, real yeah. agony, didn't he? They were measuring the, the, kind of the, the degree that he could bend his wrist. I mean... I've fortunately not had any any kind of wrist issue, but I can't, just day to day life. Never mind being a go- clip like never that. Mind, never mind being a goalkeeper. I can't imagine just the pay. You know what I mean? Not not only can he not catch the ball, it was he could barely bend his arm without. And this is a bloke who I would say is a fairly tough bloke. I mean, we've seen him throw himself into challenges. He's not, you know, he definitely wouldn't be soft in any way. I wouldn't dare call him that. But yet, this must have been. He said, "I think he said it's it's pain like he's never felt." Yeah, which yeah, extraordinary. And like I said again, it just hammers home that 
players even at this level now are one injury, one freak accident, one and we saw Paul Mullen with you know his he thought you know his his whole life could have been jeopardy in preseason when he had his injury. That that can just change everything. Your whole life, your whole livelihood, everything where you live, what what you're gonna do in the future. It can change everything in a, in a split second. And yeah, it's it, it was really. I'm really glad we got that insight. And for me as well, like we said as Wrexham fans, what I love the most is getting to see what the players are like away from the pitch. Getting to see what Park is like away from the pitch. That is the gold dust for me. And again with Mark Howard, you know, this is a guy who, as we'll probably get onto in the doc, sadly was scapegoated. There was reasons for it. His performances let him down in some key moments last season. We saw Chesterfield. That was an anomaly. But I mean, he apologised. For the majority he, I mean, of last he season. He apologised, didn't he? In front of the, it was yeah. he apologised to the fans. He knew he'd made an error, but the pressure on a goalkeeper... For the majority of last season, he was our first choice and it was a very, very successful season. And for the majority of the games, he was absolutely fine. And again, like you mentioned there, goalkeepers get punished because if they make an error, it results in a goal. But if you sort of made a list of every Wrexham player who's given the ball away in a stupid position or made a key error, Mark Howard would be right at the bottom and there'd be so many other players ahead of him, but they don't get so, scrutinised so as much. Rich, so, so Mark Howard back in contention this season, just to bring it slightly to home. This comment might mean absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things, but I'm a journalist, so I'm going to read into it. Of course I, can, of course I am. Aidan Davison said he loves or he likes, I don't want to paraphrase here, but he said he likes experienced goalkeepers which Mark Howard is. Now, Arthur Conquo was Didn't on the bench. Say, I, I believe the was, quote was something about because they bring a calmness that was it. and they've got that experience. That was exactly it. So he said they bring the calmness and experience. Arthur Conquo, the young lad from Arsenal on loan, was on the bench at the weekend. Luke McNicholas played in the reserves. Liam Hall is 18 and you know he's not going to be in contention unless there's a spate of injuries and then you probably get an emergency loan. Was that a feather in Mark Howard's cap that maybe he's not just going to be brushed aside here for a, a hot shot that's coming in from Arsenal? I mean, first of all, we don't know what that interview was conducted. That is true. They that is true. Could have been patience lost after her uh, maiden head away, shall we say. But I think that certainly you look at the fact we signed Foster as well, you know. They obviously rate having a keeper who's been there and done it before. As much as... Parky will be like, will be happy for youngsters to get a chance and for players to, to sort of learn their trades as they go along at Wrexham. The pressure is so high, which again is made clear in episode one of, of season two, that you can't ha- you need to minimise the margin for error everywhere over the pitch, wherever you can. And the fact of the matter is that having a goalkeeper who's been there, done it before, who's made his mistakes, who's learnt from his mistakes is probably a bit more beneficial um, immediately anyway to, to what you're trying to achieve. So I do think that it certainly suggests that Mark Howard will, will still play an integral role for the majority of this season. Again, like I said, though, to bring it current, I think until Mark Howard makes a mistake, I don't see him getting dropped. No. Right, well, we'll end the doc segment on this. We'll end it with a clip in this part for you, so this will be the final part of it. But I'm going to read out some of your thoughts on the doc. I put out a question saying, let us know your thoughts on episode one. And and if you haven't done it here in time for the record, let us know, robryanred at gmail.com. But Rich, we got quite a lot. Um, Jamal, the Rex and Texan, put, I really enjoy it. It seems that like this season will feature more on-the-pitch stuff too, which excites me. Um, Dennis has put, I enjoyed Rob's comment that he rejected on behalf of all Americans the idea that um, a longer time to fund and build a new cop stand means higher level of craftsmanship, another whinge. 
Um, a Dan Dan Martin, but highlight of the show is the return of Phil's enthusiasm counter. Lots of housekeeping and setup to get it out of the way, and looking forward to the rest of the season. Um, who else have we got here? The Ledge eighty six, but it was okay. Scene setting for things going forward, such as the goalkeeper situation. Found the money side of things a bit OTT. Uh, talking about you know we, we would have been doomed basically. We're not going to say the the f word, but we would have been screwed. We needed promotion, but I'm sure we wouldn't have gone bust. Yeah, that was slightly jarring for me as well. Um, Iron Mike has put um, about Lee being the best. I think he's misread, the, misinterpreted the question. Um, Mox has put uh, mostly recap setup and getting Royal Visit out of the way. What really hit was the Lainton stuff. Genuinely knew what was happening there, but actually seeing him was gutting. Want nothing but the best for him. Squire York has put a slow start. It sets the scene for what is to come. For me, the AEC engineering guy, Phil Salmon, and Dixie McNeil cameo were the highlight. I'll read two more. Gareth Collins has put, I enjoyed it, but a bit like last season on the pitch, a bit slow out of the blocks, but then I'm not interested in Big Ears and Noddy. AEC and the Barriers and the history of the cop could have been a bit longer. Nice to see Bojo's empty promise. I'll do what I can, i.e. naff all. And lastly, we'll go with uh, Daniel Denord has put, very different from season one when I fell in love with the people. This time it was like finding old friends. To my wife, that's Elliot Lee, Jacob Mendy. Oh, that's Mark Howard. They call him Chomp. Voices of podcasts, announcers, Wrexham legends. It was almost like coming back home. That's quite a nice one to end in. Um, there's loads more if you want to see on Twitter. Some people telling us to not spread any spoilers because they haven't watched it yet, so I won't um, give any more. But let us know uh, what you think. Email, comments, uh, YouTube, TikTok, wherever you want to uh, get in touch, uh, Facebook, Twitter, wherever. Um, welcome to Wrexham. Episode 2 is out next week. That is going to be about the quiet zone at the race course. Millie Tipping and Paul Mullin, and he'll be talking about his son Albie and autism. And Episode 3 will be out next week, not yet. The game that Rich was at last season, not County away, um, and how that one unfolded. A bit more dressing room stuff, a bit more on the pitch stuff, and we'll be getting a little bit more momentum now the kind of bureaucracy is out of the way. Nathan, to end this week's podcast, Groomsby at home this weekend. Again, maybe linking on from the documentary, we've got a flashback to that. 4-5 playoff defeat which was nicely glossed over in the same way we're going to do it right now but Grimsby the first meeting since that fateful day and yeah it's going to be an interesting one a team who did alright in League 2 last season and of course had that fantastic FA Cup run and you know, they're going to be a team that, that can pose a few few problems um, in ISA they've got one of the uh, top goal scorers in the league right now they've got some some fantastic players I'd always say that in this fixture, I'd always back the home team. I'd never want to go to Grimsby having to get a result. And I bet they don't really want to be coming to Wrexham and they've got to get a result any time soon. Currently in the league, I know we don't play too much into it. They've got 10 points from their first seven matches. Uh, we've got 12. So we are ahead of them. What are you expecting? Do you think we'll get another home They win? should have beaten Bradford. Um, the other day, Bradford looked, I thought, bang average. Um, Grimsby, I mean, Grimsby weren't primetime Brazil, but I mean, they, they were better than Bradford, I thought. Unlucky not to win that game. Paul Hurst is good. He's a clever manager. He'll know what to expect from Wrexham. I think that they'll actually relish being the underdog team. I think we'll be there. We'll be the favourites. James McLean, who seems like he's no rest for the wicked. He seems to be 
mean, he put on his Instagram that he's been running miles and miles and miles. So while everyone else has been taking a break, James McLean, no wonder he's the fittest, one of the fittest guys in the squad. He doesn't stop working. Um, I'm sure he'll be in contention to come back in. I, I'm going to back us. I mean, I've got to. Elliot Lee's in a rich vein of form. Mullen will be, you'd imagine, it, that little bit sharper. Fletcher, that little bit sharper. Competition for places among the strikers is immense now. Although, as I warned weeks ago, Bickerstaff, is he going to fall out of contention now? You know, wasn't on the bench at the weekend. You're going to find it hard to drop any of... He seems the easiest one to drop out the squad entirely. Let's wait and see, but I don't want to say I told you so on that. It's very too early to do that, but I might do in six weeks' time if he's not got on the bench and he's not got any minutes and not got any game time. Um, so we'll see how that one develops. But I'm, I'm going to backwards. I'm going to say another 2-1 win, maybe, Rich. I don't think there'll be much in it. Isa, I have to say, he has scored. I know his brother scored against us. But he has scored some absolute belters for Grimsby this season. So if he's thir- if he's yeah. thirty yards out, and I know that you're gagging for us to score a thirty yard, you know that goal at Mansfield against Accrington, everyone's seen it across League Two, an unbelievable goal. You just want a screamer, don't you? You just want like a top bins, 30, 30 yards, thirty five yards. Yeah, preferably a Rex. Ideally, a Rex. I mean, I'm, being a Rex, yeah, being a Rex fan as well, I'm quite worried by any team that has Luke Waterfall and Reckiel Pike in it. So. We shall see what the return of backheel pike to the Kairas this weekend can can bring with it. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I do think it'll be a close game. I'd probably say there's got to be a goal in it. I hope it'll be Wrexham. A clean sheet would be nice as well to help build that momentum, help get a bit more confidence in the back as well. I might go for a 2-1 as well, but I do know that our predictions have been particularly they've dreadful. They've been bad. They've, 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 by our they've standards. been bad. So, Mitch, the question I was going to ask you, though, because you weren't happy with the midfield. I'm... Would you and I'm because I, I, I've been impressed with him in in the little bits I've seen. Would you put George Evans in there? Is it Luke Young? Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess the question is, what is the balance then? Because I think ideally, I think maybe Luke Young, Evans, and Lee. But is that maybe a bit too? I don't. I I I can't get my head around. Depends what role Evans plays. I, I can't really. get my head around you not playing Tom O'Connor. You. Love him and on song. And I know he didn't. Well, he was, he was, but he did have a bad game at the weekend. He's looked just a little off it all season. I think I'm still maybe. He's still got credit in the bank from last season when he was really good. But to be a ruthless manager, you're only as good as your last game, aren't you, really? And I don't think anyone would begrudge if, if Tom O'Connor was dropped this so, weekend. So, so that's what I'm asking you. But, uh, but, but I'm asking now. you, what change would you make? Because probably Hayden doesn't play. I mean, probably. Well, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, and Mullen, McLean comes back in. Mullen come not? back in. Do you start Mullen? Try and get him sixty. He's had half an hour. Do you just try and give him a half? It's uh, there'll be changes. I'm just not sure what changes. Uh, for me, maybe I'll just give you my team now. Then Howard in goal. I still don't think he's going to go with Conquo. It's going to be Tozer. I've seen the in the middle of the back three. Boyle on the on the left of the back three. O'Connell? Yeah, I was wondering whether you could put Evans in there, but Evans probably doesn't work on the right. Probably O'Connell. O'Connell. It's going to be Barnett, I would say, on the right. McLean Clean. on the left. I'm going to stick. I'm going to stay pat, actually. I'm going to go with Young, Lee, and O'Connor again, just to see. And then I'll, I'm going to go Mullin and Palmer. Yeah, I think I'm exactly the same as you, but yeah, why not? I'm going to put Evans in for O'Connor for my team. Let us know in the comments uh, and on social media what your team would be for the weekend. I'm sure we'll ask you 
towards the end of the week anyway. And yeah, get in touch. RobRyanRed, gmail.com, all the socials. We'll be back, as Nay said, next week to dissect whatever happens at home to Grimsby and to look ahead. Oh, look back as well, probably on episode two. Yeah, episode... And then we'll be looking ahead to Stockport oh, away, won't You're it? looking forward to that one. That's busy, that busy, busy week. old week. We'll have to get a Stockport fan oh, on. We've had a, but a couple of weeks off the opposition previews. We'll get back to them. I'll be moved into someplace new. So maybe a new background. I'm not going to have this... For anyone that watched on YouTube earlier, I'm not going to have... Uh... We could even do an in-person pod record in Manchester. Damn, I don't even know what that... I mean, I don't want to promise I don't even world. know what that would be like. I feel like we only ever speak to each other via the, the digital forms. I don't know. I haven't seen you in a long time, so maybe. We'll see. See how it goes. Brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us once again on Re- Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast, brought to you in association with our good friends at Red 10 People Development. Shout out once again to Wrexham by bass band Hypnotic. Um, I'm just going to, sorry, I'm going to have to inter- I'm going to have to interrupt. I know I've interrupted your flow there because you get into the flow of it. Okay. Aaron's Army. I said I'd keep plugging it. Thanks for the donation so far. And and also Alec, who sent us a donation. Thank you very much. Far too kind. It, you really don't need to feel like you need to donate to us. But to the people that have donated to support in the podcast, thank you so much. But I would say, please, if you can, Give all your donations and all your energy towards Nicola. We're going to get her on in, the, in maybe next week or the week after to talk about uh, Aaron's Army, which I spoke about in depth last week. Sadly lost her son. Uh, it's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Link in the description for her Just Giving page. You've got all the information there. Please support as best you can. We're rooting for her and her family. And yeah, top link in the description. Thank you very much. Take care. And we'll see you again next time. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.